Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. touch our hearts. I believe, God, we have absolutely seen a demonstration of your spirit and the end result, God, of the reaching of your long arm. I'm asking you today, God, to let your word that is anointed touch our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Did you hear about that ball game that went into overtime? They were so thrilled because for the same price. They got a longer game. But we win, we win. I'm going to ask you to join me in Joshua 24 and 14. I preached in our second service, our first service, and I just feel God has put a mandate upon my heart today. And So I'm not preaching because I've got preacher's itch. But I'm preaching because God has put something in my heart. Amen. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Verse 15, the Bible says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I've been preaching today already from this topic, and this will just be part two, I suppose, my subject today is decision time, decision time. We all have to make a decision. We are all making decisions consciously or unconsciously. And I'm going to ask you to be seated in the fear of the Lord, and I'm just going to beg of you to stay connected with me today. Amen. And let's make this journey together. Joshua gives four options when he stands before this group of people. One writer likened it to four points on a compass. And so he calls them to choose and he then underscores these four options and it's at this point in my message that I want to talk about these four options. And just like all four points of a compass will take you in that particular direction, I can tell you that the decisions that we make in our life will take us down that road. Amen. You, you will not get there accidentally. If you reach your destination, you will be intentional. I, I, I don't want to meander because I have too much ground to cover, but let me insert this. I was preaching not long ago, and the thought crossed my mind that, it's not a real deep thought, but this thought crossed my mind that, that in the hour of uh, having... A GPS, most everyone here has those on your phone or in your car some way. It has caused us to, to get very lackadaisical on the journey. You don't have to pay attention as closely as you used to have to pay attention because we know that 10 miles out from our next turn that a voice is going to come alive and she's going to remind you, it doesn't matter how long you've been traveling. 10 miles from your destination, that seems to be the default on most GPSs. 10 miles from your destination, out of the clear blue, a voice is going, to, is going to remind you that there's a turn coming. And as you get closer and closer to that destination, she'll remind you again and again and again. 
Can I tell you today that, that before there was the uh, opportunity of a GPS, you had, to pay, you had to travel with your eyes wide open. It's amazing how fast you can zip right past the sign that says you need to turn the road number. And so I will tell you today that it's important that we look and understand the value of these signs because whatever direction you take, that will be your destination. And so if we're going to go somewhere, if we have a destination in mind, we're going to have to be pretty dil- diligent along the way. And it would be the devil's pleasure to just rock us to sleep. Right here in 2017, just lull us to sleep. And I feel like I am preaching to more than just a handful of people today. I know that I am preaching to me, but I feel like I'm preaching to far more than just me. But we need to look at these four points and consider the end result, the end result. Because whatever we choose is going to lead us in the direction of our lives. And so wherever we find ourselves, it's not going to be accidental, incidental. It's going to be intentional. There's a lot at stake because what we choose today will ultimately decide. And so here with the first of these four things to consider, Joshua says in Joshua 24 and 14, he said, now therefore fear you the Lord, if you can put that on the screen and watch this, fear you the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away, here's the first, the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood. Long before God ever spoke to Abraham and told him about the future of his people, the ancestors of Abraham Abraham worshipped the gods of that region. Abraham came from a society that believed in such gods and they held such belief. As a matter of fact, the Bible specifically tells us that Abraham's father was an idol worshiper. History even tells us that he was an idol maker. And so he was saturated with the spirit and the ideology of idolatry. Amen. Now Joshua wants to know, are they simply going to just kind of go back to that default setting and serve the gods of their forefathers? Amen. I think that's still a valid question in 2017. <clears throat> Judas, the Bible says, having forsake, forsaken me, having loved this present world. What Judas did was not start going to the bar rooms and the dance halls, but he just went back to the traditions of the fathers. And so it is a valid question. Children are raised in the faith of their parents or the lack thereof. We may not do it consciously, but we are constantly teaching our children about who and what is worthy of our worship. I'm going to tell you, as I've said many times over the last many years, I don't ever remember a conversation in our home. I'm thankful to say this. I really want to say I'm proud to say this, but I'll say I'm thankful to say that not one time do I ever remember my mother and father having a discussion, are we going to church today? And so absent that conversation, they, they began to show me who they worship. Amen. They began to show me where their priorities were. Amen. And so we are teaching our children what's worthy of our time and what's worthy of our attention. Amen, I'm thankful. I, I'm thankful in the latter years of my dad's life when we had, we had moved down to Central Florida. I'm, I was very thankful. After my father retired, he became, he became the Brother Junior Trail of the church in Eagle Lake and, and he mowed the yard and he was, he was thankful to do that. And, and uh, he, it was, they didn't own a lawnmower, so he loaded up his own lawnmower and, and he took it to the church on his little trailer, pulled it behind his little Ford Pinto and every time I saw him taking off, you know, my, do- my dad loved to mow grass. He would just dare a blade of grass to grow. And so he just, he went there and it was his passion. He didn't, he wasn't there riding that lawnmower with a bad spirit. He wasn't there mowing that grass and picking up trash in the yard with a bad attitude. My dad was showing me. Hey Amen. this is, there, there's where my passion is. 
here's where my passion is. Here's where my passion is. And my my wife will tell you this. I'm not proud of this altogether at times, but my wife will tell you that some of the best times that I ever have besides standing in this pulpit is when I'm over here kind of piddling around at the church. Amen. I just like sometimes the jobs are a little more than piddling. I get overwhelmed with those. But on the little piddly jobs, I enjoy doing that. You're just around the house of God. And I think some of that is in me because my dad Amen. He didn't sit around the dinner table saying you need to do this, you need to do that. He just got up and did it. And it put something, he taught me where the point of worship really was. Think about how true this is for you and I. Amen. The families that we were brought up in, it's possible today that there are some gods at war in your life right now. Amen. The same gods that your parents are your grandparents worshipped Amen. When you were younger, when you were watching them, when you were being shaped and molded. Amen. I, I, I know sometimes it's easy to see the things that we inherit from our grandparents or parents. You may have your father's nose or your mother's hands or your, this one's hairline or that hair color or eye color. Amen. But that's not all we picked up from them. No, no, no. That's not all we picked up from them. We often end up worshiping whatever God they were worshiping. Amen. Psychology calls this the law of exposure. The basic premise is that our lives are determined by our thoughts and our thoughts are determined by what we're exposed to. And so the law of exposure means that our minds absorb and our lives ultimately reflect whatever we are most frequently exposed to. And so instead of finding our identity sometimes in the Lord, we had others before us that were trying to find their identity in the clothes they wore or the house they lived in or the car that they drove, amen, or perhaps they were so caught up in what other people's opinion was of them. Maybe they were caught up in their career path and so that began to chisel away at our heart and teach us where we should worship. Amen. Well, it got a little quieter on that one. But it's still the truth. That, that, that becomes the, the ideal in our mind of this is what we worship. This is what we do. Amen. Think about what was held up before you as in the home that you grew up in. Whatever those priorities were probably your priorities, or at least, can I put it this way, without trying to sound, uh, without trying to sound odd, that is the God that's after you. That's a God that is battling in your mind. Amen. The most natural path in the world is to adopt the God of our parents. And so that's why Joshua said, he said, we're just going to reel this tape all the way back to the beginning. We're going to turn this all the way back to the index. And he says, I'm telling you that you can fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away, amen, he said, serve in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood. The next one, amen, was the gods of their past. He's speaking now a little bit beyond them, but he is incrementally walking them closer and closer to where they lived. He first talks about the gods that their father served on the other side of the flood. Now he makes reference to, amen, the gods in Egypt. Joshua specifically mentions the gods in Egypt like the Mesopotamians, Amen. The Egyptians had a plethora of deities. The Egyptians actually worshipped nearly everything. They worshipped the sun, the moon, the stars, anything they could throw in the pot. Amen. Think about it with me for just a moment. Amen. Something for just a moment. The Hebrews were enslaved in Egypt, according to Scripture, for nearly 400 years. Amen, 400 years. And so they were Egyptian slaves longer than the United States of America has been a nation. Almost 160 years longer than America has been a nation. And so it's no wonder that some of that culture was still in them. It's no wonder this was a battle. I mean, we can go ahead and be hard on them and call them carnal and 
call them all the things that we want to call them, but I'm going to tell you they had a long time to get the gods of Egypt in their heart, and they had a difficult time getting the gods of Egypt out of their heart. And I will tell you today that the gods of this world are many, and the gods of this world are everywhere present, and they are everywhere accessible. And so if we are going to be a spiritual being, and if we're going to be an anointed church, and if we're going to be effective in the hour in which we live, we've got to understand that the gods of this world are influencing us. And so Joshua, with a gavel in his hand, please don't think that Joshua was standing with some long flowing robe on and he put on his best stained glass voice and began to announce this. No, I believe he had a gavel in his hand, so to speak, saying, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. If you have ever opened your mind and your heart and your spirit, if you've ever listened to a preacher, Joshua was saying, listen to me now. There was no way they were going to endure that period of time without absorbing some of the culture around them. Even when Moses led his people out of that land, the gods of Egypt were not going to give up without a fight. Amen. It's entirely possible that we got the people out of Egypt, but we didn't get Egypt out of the people. Amen. We know that to be true. They wasn't very long into their journey and said, oh, would to God that we had just died and we died in Egypt. Why can't we just go back there and the leeks and the garlic and why can't we just get right back there? Why? Because the people were out of Egypt but Egypt was not out of the people and I can tell you today we can call it what we want. We can paint it whatever color we want. Amen. But just because you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and are buried in baptism in his name, we're not gonna pop out of that baptism Baptistry, amen, and just morph into something spiritual. It's going to take some hand, the hand of God, and it's going to take some work on our part. Amen. I come out of the world. Amen. I come out of the world when He filled me with His Spirit, when He baptized me in His name, but now I'm going to work on getting the world out of me. Hallelujah. I got to get the thought of the world, the passion of the world, the drive of the world, the goals of the world. I got to work that out of me now. I've got to work that out of me. Amen. Just like the Egyptians, just like the Hebrews were in Egypt a lot longer than they had been out of Egypt. I'm going to tell you that some of us in this house today were in the world a lot longer than you've been in the church. Amen. So don't think there's not a fight of some God somewhere of yesterday saying, I want to come back home. Don't you think there's not some God somewhere knocking and checking to see if the door is open? That's why. That's why we got to pray with diligence. Hallelujah. That's why we have got to serve God in the intention. That's why we have got to plant our feet and say you are not welcome in this house. Let's clap our hands to the Lord, shall we? Praise God. Old habits die hard. Yes, they do. So Ezekiel and Ezekiel 20 and 7 said, then said I unto them, cast ye away every man the abomination of his eyes and defile not yourself with the idols of Egypt. You gotta get Egypt out of you. I got you out of Egypt. Now you gotta get Egypt out of you. Amen, you ever find yourself struggling with some things in your past? It's all right to say Amen. You ever find yourself struggling with some things in your past? We think we got it all nailed down. We think we got it under the blood. We think we've got it all tucked away. And our yesterday is clearly and concisely filed in the folder called yesterday. And then we wake up today and it starts lurking. It's evil and eerie head. Do you ever struggle with things that we thought we had so long ago left behind us? Amen. The challenge for many of us today. You see, the problem isn't that we need to choose to follow the Lord. Is The problem is, is that we have tried to follow him without leaving some things behind. I'm going to follow him, but I'm going to bring a little Egypt with me. I'm going to follow him, but I'm going to bring a little bit of the world with me. I'm going to follow him. Amen. I'm going to take him. But the Bible said that we need to lay aside every weight. 
amen, every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. I say, I don't want to think like the world. I don't want to think like I used to think. Can I be very specific today? I don't even want to look like I used to look before I served the Lord, before I came to him. I want to set, that was the old man. I don't want to walk like that. I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to think like that. Hallelujah. I want a new man to be born. I want a new man to be born. In our text, Joshua knows that there's still some Egyptian sand that's clinging to the sandals of these feet that are in a completely different geographic location now. They're here, but there's still there's still some Egypt around here. Amen. Can I tell you that God has been so good to us as a church we can never thank him enough but can I tell you that if we're not careful, every time I look up I see a little Egypt around here. Amen. God has been in this house. He has been moving in this church for several years mightily, mightily but in the midst of all that God is doing, there's still some Egypt in the sandals of some of us and I say God help me to get to Egypt out of me you got me out of Egypt but I got to get to Egypt out of me I've got to get to Egypt out of me you see these old gods they hang on they don't just leave because you said get out of here they don't just leave because you pointed at the door amen they creep in they quietly hold us. Perhaps when we first started serving the Lord, those gods of yesterday got kind of quiet. But hear me, they have a tendency to regroup. Amen. They wait for a time to just resurface because they want to rule our heart again. They want to rule our thoughts again. They want to rule how we think, amen, how we live. So even if you ever see the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the challenge of Joshua is still Choose you this day who you will serve. Every day, can I tell you, every day is decision time. Every day. We have to constantly make those lines more and more distinct than our own heart. Amen. Joshua now moves to the next gods that we're going to have to deal with. Joshua 24 and 15, he talks about whether you're going to serve the gods of your fathers that served on the other side of the flood. Amen. Or he said, the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. We started out the gods on the other side of the flood. Then we got to the gods of Egypt. And now he's talking about the gods of where you are now. It's easy to talk about the gods on the other side of the flood. We weren't there. Amen. Glory to God. That's right. Hallelujah. God's in Egypt, that's right, praise God, glory to God, hallelujah. But he said, what about the gods in the land where you dwell? What about the gods of 2017? What about the gods of today, right now, here and now? Amen, the gods of our modern culture. Amen, these were the people of the land. The Israelites had fought so hard to conquer. Although the Egyptians had once, once had the upper hand of God's people, these were the ones that God's people had now defeated. You see, Egypt had God's people in their clutches and God delivered them, but then Egypt walks into Canaan and they have the upper hand. They walk in in charge. They walk in the boss. They walk in the sons and daughters of promise. But Joshua still said, what are you gonna do about the gods of this land? What are you gonna do about the gods of this day? You see, they were going to be a continual thorn. If you know your Bible, you know I'm telling the truth. They were going to be a continual thorn in Israel's side for the rest of the Old Testament times. Amen. There's a specific reason why these people had so much influence. Are you ready? The enemy they were fighting had a very powerful weapon, and that weapon was called proximity. They were there. They didn't really have to deal with the gods on the other side of the flood. They didn't really have to deal with the gods. This people, this particular group of people didn't even have to deal with the gods of Egypt. They had heard their forefathers talk about it. But now they're, they're fighting against an in enemy 
whose greatest weapon is proximity. Amen. These were the gods who, shall we say, hid in plain sight. (laughs) Amen. The Israelites lived in a place where diversity prevailed, much like the society that we live in today. There were many groups of people and many different gods, and the prophets of the Old Testament despised them above all other gods. Why? Because these gods had a home field advantage. They were right there, right there. You see, we're the two most significant factors that determine which gods win this war are time and place, time and circumstance. We're not confronting Baal. You didn't have to struggle with Baal this morning, get to church. Nobody here struggled with Ashtaroth today to get to the house of God. We didn't have to struggle with, with those things. Amen. But we do have to struggle with the gods of our culture, busyness and and distraction and, and weariness and, and, and fatigue. We live immersed in what is known as the spirit of the age, the spirit of the age. You see, generations before us didn't even worry about in, the internet. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a smart aleck at all, just making a point. The spirit of the age. So nobody was worried about the internet, the, the gods of the internet, because it was non-existent. You didn't have to worry about the gods. I'm fixing to get in a little trouble here, but you didn't have to worry about the gods of Facebook. Amen. Probably one of the greatest wasters of time in all time. Amen. And I have a Facebook account. I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to me this morning. Amen. You got to be very careful. A few services ago, I started a series on the book of James. I just admonished, just suggested that maybe we all read through the book of James in your own time and, and to see if you would, you know, that would help us to stay connected in, in that particular series. And you can almost just feel the dread. I don't have time to read the book of James. Are you One chapter is about two and a half minutes. Another chapter is a good two, two minutes and 50 seconds. I don't know if I've got time to invest 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. I don't know if I can do this, but I challenge you the next time you get online, whether it's Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram or whatever, I just challenge you to take your phone and put your timer on, amen, and just see how long. Amen. Well, that was a pitiful response, and I think it was just a pity response, but that's all right. Amen, it was a bless his heart kind of thing. But anyway, amen, I'm out here and I'll just have to live with the results of that, but I'm gonna tell you that that's the spirit of the age, the spirit of the age. And so what are we fighting? Amen, that's what we're fighting, the spirit of the age. And you know what, a generation, if the Lord tarries a generation after us, they're gonna have to fight the spirit of their age. And they're gonna have to deal with whatever they have to deal with. And so, amen, I didn't mean to get all up in your business there, but I'm just telling you that we gotta watch the spirit of the age because the spirit of the age consumes us. Rituals and and gods that are made out of wood or gods that are made out of stone, they're easy for us to reject. Nobody here would bow down at some stump, amen, and say, I'm gonna worship wood. And nobody here would bow down at some rock and say, I'm gonna worship this piece of flint. We We wouldn't fall for that. You know why? That doesn't fall in our time. But I'll tell you what does. You just look around. You 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 just you just getting any line anywhere. I've watched husbands and wives or couples, I don't know if they're married, husbands and wives sit at the table and, and eat dinner and never even look up. I got in your Facebook, now I'm in your smartphone. I've got them all. I have them all. But I'm telling you, that's the ba- this is where we are. This is where the lines are laid. Amen. Children don't go play in the sand anymore. We've got too many gadgets to entertain us and we can't think outside of the box and color outside of the lines. 
Amen. 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 Well, I really, I mean, I am meddling now. <laughs> but it's the truth. This is where we are. This is really where we are. And so we can laugh about this or realize that the gods of this age are looking for a way in. They're looking for a way in your home. They're looking for a way in your heart. They're looking for a way in your children's mind, in their heart. Amen, it's the culture, the hour in which we live. I'll move on. Amen, we wouldn't fall for some things, but we're falling for other things. Amen, because it's the spirit of the age. Amen. So for those people at that time, the worship of those kind of gods was so ingrained in them that it seemed natural and it seemed harmless. What could it hurt? What could it possibly hurt? I mean, we scoff at that today. We laugh at that today because it doesn't fit in our time. But if we think about the things that do fit in our times, I'm just picking out a few here, uh, probably the hottest ones I said, apparently. But anyway, the hot, the, that, those, those do fit in our times and that does get into where we live and we're, we are a little bit uncomfortable talking about that. But I'm here today to tell you, amen, that's why Paul writes, amen, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen, I'm gonna tell you something. Let me be real clear. I'm not asking you to tie today after church we're not going to go out back and take our iPads and our computers and our phones and our tablets and, and we're not going to have a big old bonfire Woo. thank God because you can burn it out of your hand but if you haven't burned it out of your heart it, it, you, you're wasting time you're wasting time this is a dog and pony show Hey man, we're just doing this for looks. We're just doing this because we're caught up in the moment. And so the best thing to do is just keep this, but just keep this right. Hey Amen. Keep this, but keep this right. And say, God, if I've got time to do this, I sure got time to read your word every day. If I've got time to do this, I sure have time to pray. I sure have time to tend to the spiritual matters of my life. Why? Because it's decision time. It's so easy just to go with the flow. The Bible advises us to renew our minds. How? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We renew our minds by immersing ourselves in the eternal. So, oh, that sounds real spiritual. But I'm serious. We need to immerse ourselves in the eternal, in the unchanging truth of the word of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. They were immersed in that. What makes you say that? What makes you think that? Because he said, talk about it when you lie down and talk about it when you get up. Write it over the doorpost of your house. Write it between your eyes. Put it on your hand. I mean, we need to immerse ourselves in the eternal. Please stay with me. Amen. Let's just pray this morning against the spirit of weariness. I know you're tired. Amen. I'm tired too. Amen. Lord, I'm asking you today to touch our mind and our heart. Help us, Lord, to make the last mile of this journey. I believe, God, that you're speaking something to our heart. I believe God that you have laid something before us today for careful consideration in Jesus name in Jesus name finally we come to the fourth point of Joshua's sermon he said as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord the final option of course is not really an option it's really the only option because none of the other options are even real. They're, they look promising, but they, they don't do anything to really satisfy our thirst. But Joshua gives the people these four options and he, he stacks the deck, so to speak, by describing all the things that God has done for his people over the years. God has been active and worked powerfully among them. He is redeeming, protecting, guiding, and and he's talked about how God led them out. He's, he's kind of really stacked the deck and pointing them to the ultimate right decision. So in making the choice, the obvious question for the people to ask of these other gods was this. What, is, what have these other gods ever done for me? Can I ask you today a point blank question? What has the devil ever done for you? 
It seems so obvious, so elementary. What has the devil ever done but lie, steal, and destroy? You see, in making our own choice, I would suggest that you ask yourself the same thing. What enduring value has the God of pleasure ever brought anybody? Let me just clue you in. It wasn't pleasure. The God of pleasure has never brought anything that's lasting. Pleasure for a moment, happiness for a season, but most of it comes laced with a bank load of heartache. Amen. What what did what what ever one time delivered true peace and true happiness? What have these gods ever done for us? If they've ever done anything, they've enslaved us, they've robbed us, they've disappointed us. I like the way David described it best in Psalms 86 and 8. He said, among the other gods, there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. You stand head and shoulders above them all. There is none like God. I reach to our seniors. I reach to our middle age. I reach to our youth today and tell you it's decision time. It is decision time. You have to decide now. You have to decide now and every day what you're going to do. Amen. I'm, I'm going to close, but it's a little bit of a runway because I want us to consider how these people responded to the four decisions or the, the four options, rather, that Joshua put on the table. They did exactly what so many people do today. While they're in the moment, they say the right thing. Have you, have you ever talked to people that you know when they answer you, they just said what they know you wanted to hear? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I would like for you someday to just ride around with me. And you'd be amazed how quickly people can morph into spiritual angelic beings. When they say, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) One time that happened to me, a man had been cussing in my presence. I mean, I was just kind of a bystander. And it was vulgar, vile. Oh, it was horrible. I couldn't leave. I was standing there. And the minute he come over and introduced me, he said, what do you do anyway? I said, I'm a pastor. He said, well, praise the Lord. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It all happened in under 10 minutes. They beat dominoes. Wow. And so they did exactly what so many people do. They say the right thing. They're in the moment. The right words. Joshua 24 and 16. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God He it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage which did those great signs in our sight and and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out those, and drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwell in the land. Therefore, we also, we will also serve the Lord for he is our God. If you could just turn the lights out in the sanctuary right here. Mission accomplished. Joshua could have gone home and said, well, got that taken care of. Except Joshua just knew them too well. And he knew this was Sunday morning language. 
Oops. He knew this was Wednesday night talk. We're just in the moment. Everybody else is shouting and crying. I'll shout and cry. Everybody else is doing the church thing. I'm going to do the church thing. And Joshua begins to talk about jealousy and the holiness of God. And he describes the disaster that's going to come on them if they don't live up to the words that they're speaking. Now, I mean, it sounded pretty good what they said. <laughs> but you see, Joshua was an old man, not quickly fooled. He knew their fickle heart. And he knows how quickly their attention wanders. And he knows how easy it is to say the right things only to turn around and just do what you've been doing all along. So simple to produce the right, you know, the, the right response on cue. I mean, just, I'm not, I don't, I'm, I don't want you to take me wrong. I know I'm sounding like a smart aleck, but I'm not trying to be that way. But you be around church a little while, you know right where to say amen. And you know how to do your voice. Glory to God. We know how to do it. We know where to clap. We know where to wave, how to respond. And it's so simple to just respond in those little places right where we know that fits in. But you see, the difficult thing is about to happen. That's when we're going to stand and we're going to walk out of this building. And the gods from the other side of the flood and the gods from Egypt, but more importantly, the gods of the land in which you dwell are going to be right there. Amen. The story has a strange ending. It only happens two Bible chapters later. Turn with me to Judges 2 and 8. Watch on the screen. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath Harris, in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered to their fathers. Did you catch that? All of those that said, we're in. You can count on us. We got this. He's our God as well. They were gathered to their fathers, but apparently something went wrong because there arose a generation after them, two things, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Somebody stopped talking about it. I know I've been preaching a long time. But when the spies came in to spy out the land, Rahab said, we have heard of your God. Somebody was talking about it. Amen. So here's where I'm going, and let's just stand today. I know I've said it more than once today, but please hear me from my heart. The gods of this world never surrender. They never surrender. I will be even more specific and tell you that if they lose one generation, they'll just wait for the next one. And I tell you today that I am in I don't know the right word, but I'm very concerned that we're just so close to losing our apostolic identity. If we could measure how close we are to losing it, it would scare us to death. And I think the reason we're so close to losing our apostolic identity is because there have been people that have been serving the Lord for a long time that really don't have this in their heart. They amen when the preacher preaches. They clap their hand when the singer sings. But there's some things that are not nailed down enough in their heart that they care enough about it to pass it to the next generation. Because see, if it's not important to you, you sure won't be able to make it important to those behind you. 
I am preaching the Hatchbin Apostolic Church today. I think I'm preaching beyond this. I don't think that this is just an isolated situation. I think it's the spirit of the age. I think there's a lot of second and even third generation apostolic people that they're not really sure they got all this nailed down in their heart. And if you don't have it nailed down, the generation behind you don't stand a chance of having a passion for it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. How often should we talk about this? Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Why is it important to be separated from the from the world. We ought to talk about that every day. Amen. It ought to be underlined in our heart, in our life. You know why? Because the gods of this world are not sleeping. The spirit of this age is not taking a day off. And if they have lost you, they'll just wait for a generation behind you. So we have not just a responsibility to make heaven our home for us, but we have a responsibility to make sure there's a clear, concise path for a generation that's walking behind us. But if you're stumbling, the generation behind you is going to stumble even more. And so I understand it's not a popular message but Joshua was not trying to win a popularity contest. He was trying to get a group of people home. And today, I want you to like me. Furthermore, I want you to love me. But that's not what today's about. Today's about trying to make us see the power and the glory of the journey. This is not a journey of drudgery. It's decision time. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. We need to have our youth involved in everything they possibly can be involved in. But we don't need to send them. We need to bring them. Amen. We need to be involved and connected. And Amen. I, I don't want to just take too much longer here, but many times, especially as a guest speaker somewhere, I've, this has most literally happened more than a few times. I've had parents kind of pull me off to the side and say, I hope you can reach my kids while you're here. I hope, you, I hope you can reach my kids. But they just don't pray. They just don't worship. And then, you know, if they hadn't drawn my attention to it, I wouldn't know anything. But as the service went on, I figured out probably why their children are not worshiping. They're sitting back there like that. Unmoved, untouched. But you want your children to be up around the fire. You need to take them to the fire. Warm your own hands around that altar. Warm your own heart around that altar. Praise God. Amen. I'm not really sure what to do here. Amen. I'm not really sure what to do here, but I think we would be so out of order to just say, have a good day. Amen. I think somewhere, some way, amen, we need to gather around this front and ask God. I know we can't all get up here, but we need to make some sort of effort to ask God to help us to recommit ourselves. Help us to recommit ourselves. Choose you this day who you will serve. There needs to be some parents in this altar. There needs to be young people in this altar. There needs to be elderly people in this altar. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. There needs to be some Joshua's. There needs to be some Joshua's who go home from this service and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and there need to be some sincere prayers that are prayed here today. Not just something we can say to get us out of the moment. 
we don't need to just respond like the children of Israel responded just to kind of satisfy and soothe the ears of Joshua the preacher. We need to understand that God sees our heart and God weighs our motives and God knows exactly what our intentions are because it says the word is a discerner of the thought and the intent of our heart. And so if we intend to get up and walk out of this building after shedding tears, if we intend to get up and walk out of this building after prayer and just go back to our old way and pick up the old things, God knows our heart, but he also knows if we are sincere, he will strengthen us. He said in Isaiah 45, I'll hold your right hand. I'll tear down gates of brass. I'll tear down gates of iron. He said, I'll make crooked places straight. Amen. He promises again and again in the writing of Isaiah, I will hold your right hand. You have nothing to fear. I'm gonna hold on to you. I tell you, Hatchman Apostolic Church today, amen, the families, the fathers, the husbands, the mothers, the grandparents, the young people, we have nothing to fear today because we have God on our side. He is wanting you to let your light so shine before men. Hallelujah. That they'll not just see you or your works. They'll not just see your separation. They'll not just see your life, but they'll see the God of your life. That's what we're reaching for today. That's what we're reaching for today. God, strengthen us and help us and anoint us to be what you would have us to be now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, strengthen us, O God. 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 This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.